Welcome to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. Yara is the global leader in crop nutrition knowledge and the leading producer of quality fertilizer products. This podcast is intended to facilitate the transfer of knowledge for farmers and crop advisors, improving farm profitability and environmental sustainability. Grow the future with Yara. Hello, my name's Ken Rundle, and in this latest podcast, we're going to the top and Yara's boss in Europe, Tove Anderson. Tove has had a long career with the company, including a spell in the UK, but today she's speaking from Oslo in her native Norway. Tove Anderson, we've got some fascinating new initiatives to talk about today, but first, let's hear a bit more about you and your career with Yara. I actually started 23 years ago as a trainee. Uh, and truly fell in love with the company, uh, both because of its people and also because of the purpose and the mission we have of sustainably feeding the world and protecting the planet. So in my 23 years uh, in Yara, I think I've had 13 to 14 different uh, positions. Um, I had the opportunity to live in Sweden, Belgium and the UK, uh, and I worked in more or less all uh, different functions in the company. In the UK, you did what? So I came to UK in 2006 and I worked there five years as a country manager for UK and Ireland. That was my first large leadership position, which was a fantastic experience. And I learned a lot from from that period. It was the first time I was truly exposed to the agricultural community. You had to get to know farmers and the way they think. Exactly. And I think what's interesting with UK and Ireland is the variety of farmers that you have. You know, it's very different to meet a large arable farmer in East England uh, versus, you know, a dairy farmer in Ireland. And I truly appreciate those uh, interactions and to learn really about the variety, but also, you know, what they have in common. I think... uh, what I sort of remember is that all of them, you know, they had a true pride and passion for what they do and for their farm, uh, regardless, you know, what kind of farmers they were. And you have a lot of different accents in Norway, but you'd had to deal with an awful lot of accents in the UK and Ireland as well. <laughs> yeah, and I'm afraid my English accent didn't really improve either while I stayed there. So I still have a proper Norwegian accent. But as I said, you now have the top job in Europe. So what does that actually mean? Yeah, so I now have the responsibility for the whole region of Europe for Yara. So that means everything from fertilizer production till the product is delivered to a farmer. In total, we have 12 fertilizer production plants uh, in Europe. Uh, we have approximately 3,500 employees. We sell approximately 9 million tons of fertilizer to 9,000 farmers. Uh, and we are present in more or less uh, all countries in Europe. So it's a big operation. Has it been affected by COVID in any way at all? Yeah, of course, everybody has been affected by COVID-19 this spring, um, and it's been a challenging situation for our employees. Uh, But because we are part of the food chain and the food production chain, uh, for us, it's been important to keep operations running uh, at the same time as we safeguard the safety and health of our employees. And I'm very impressed over how the whole organization have handled this and we have been able to keep running all our plants during this period we have been able to deliver all the fertilizer to the farmers which needed it you know in the spring because if they hadn't gotten the fertilizer in the spring the yields would have been severely impacted so in that respect we have been less impacted than many other industries 
like all parts of the agriculture sector, Yarra is facing all kinds of uh, changes and challenges, particularly with climate change. Now, one of Yarra's exciting new initiatives is all about green ammonia. Tell us a bit more. What do you mean, green ammonia? Yes, because uh, agriculture is, uh, and land use is a significant contrib- contributor to the CO2 emissions globally. So actually, when you look at global uh, CO2 emissions, 25% approximately is linked to agriculture and land change. Uh, and a small portion of that, one to two percentage points, is linked to fertilizer production. Because today we use natural gas to produce uh, the fertilizer. Um, when we talk about green nitrogen or green ammonia, which is the starting point, it is going back to a previous technology uh, where you can then uh, produce ammonia from water and air by using then renewable electricity, so electrolysis. And in Norway, of course, you have a huge amount of hydroelectric power, and that's where you're doing the pilot. Yes, so we have several initiatives linked to this. Uh, One of them is in Norway, where the intention is then to use hydroelectric power to produce uh, green ammonia in one of our ammonia plants uh, in Norway. We also have another initiative in Australia, where we're looking at using solar panels and electricity from solar panels uh, into our ammonia plant there. These are all pilots and sort of small scales to prove uh, what is feasible to be then enabled to scale it up at a later point in time. But you're excited by it. Yeah, I think, as I said, you know, if we are going to tackle global climate change, we are and we have to tackle then the footprint of agriculture. And then all the players need to look at their part of the value chain and what they can contribute with. Uh, the challenge with this technology is that it is significantly more expensive than the regular uh, ammonia production. Uh, typically two, three, four times more expensive. Um, but actually, if you look at the cost, the additional cost for a loaf of bread, when you go to the shop and you buy a, a bread, it will be very marginal. Uh, so it's important to get really the whole value chain to participate on this, because I think many consumers would be willing to pay a bit extra if they knew that this was then a CO2-free uh, food chain. But then we need cooperation throughout the whole food chain, and we need also traceability and transparency uh, on the footprint of different food production. And we know from what governments are saying across Europe, certainly in UK, that they are going to take far more notice of the efforts industry makes along those lines. So there will be pressure coming anyway. And if the industry responds first, that's the best way to deal with these things. Yeah, and in Europe, we see, you know, sustainability as a big business opportunity because, you know, those that are able to really tackle and commit solutions on how to improve uh, sustainability of different uh, production and for us then for food production that creates a lot of interesting business opportunities. So uh, we see it, we, we like to see it in a more positive aspect and something that we need to do. It is something that we think we should do because it's the right thing to do, but also because we think this is where you will have a lot of the opportunities going forward. And it's not just hydro and it's not just solar. In Britain, for example, we have a lot of wind power and tidal power opportunities and all of those could play their part. Yeah, so this, uh, and of course, when you talk about green ammonia, it's not only for fertilizer production that this is interesting because it's interesting. Green hydrogen is going to be interesting for many types of applications. uh, And also green ammonia is looked as a potential energy carrier also for the shipping industry. 
So this could create many new business opportunities for those that then take uh, an uh, early foot into this new uh, market. And this is why it's important that you've worked with partners on this one, because there are wider opportunities than pure fertilizer. Yes, exactly. And also it's important to work with, we, we don't see us uh, ourselves as an energy company. So for example, you know, uh, solar uh, power production, wind power production, we don't see that to be our core strength. So typically on these initiatives, we want to link up with an energy company. And then also we need to link with up with the whole value chain, if it is a shipping value chain or if it is a fertilizer and food production value chain. Well, I'm glad you mentioned shipping for the second time there, because as you said, hydrogen as a fuel for shipping has real opportunities. But then you have another initiative at the moment because you have two ships on the ocean at the moment as part of Action Africa. Tell us about Action Africa. So Action Africa uh, was born uh, this spring when we looked at the COVID-19 crisis. I mean, the COVID-19 started as a health crisis and it has quickly turned into a financial and an economical crisis. Uh, as I said a bit earlier, we have been fairly fortunate uh, in the way that we are not as much impacted as many other industries we've been able to operate uh, and have you know, uh, okay income uh, during this period and a strong financial solidity. So we then start discussing, you know, what can we do to then help given the situation and giving our purpose and mission where we really want to contribute, um, not only because we can, but because it's the right thing to do. Uh, and then we came up with this initiative where we are then donating 40,000 tons of fertilizer from our production plant in Norway. Uh, it's also enhanced with zinc to improve health. Uh, and it's going to be sent then to Kenya and Tanzania and from there to also to the neighboring countries. So by doing this, we expect that there should triple uh, maize production in that region, which would then approximately be able to feed a million uh, people for a year uh, due to the increased uh, output. And then also for us, it was important that it's not just an aid and it's not just one-off initiative. So also we have coupled it with agronomic advice through our digital tools, also that we use this to lift uh, the competence of the African farmers. So you're working with small farmers. This isn't something for big agri-corporations using the land in Africa. It's, it's getting actually to the local people. Yes, so it's uh, given to the small uh, smallholders in Africa directly. Um, and then we work with the UN World Food Programme as a partner in this, and also the Norwegian government is a partner in this initiative. And how do you maintain the sustainability of this? You know, a one-off gift is, a, is wonderful and amazing, but it needs a, the, the farmers themselves need to know that this is going to be around for the next two, three, four, five years. How do you maintain that? Yeah, so uh, first of all, we then wanted to couple it with really lifting the competence of the farmers that receive this. So that is one way to give it uh, a more long lasting effect. So they are getting, you know, support on how to optimally grow the crop. And also they get uh, linked into our digital solutions so that they can continue getting um, agronomic uh, updates and inputs. In addition, we are working on getting more partners into this so that also we together can then develop value chains in these regions so that you can have it uh, as a sustainable improvement, not just a one-off. How do you involve your pharma clients in all of this, your pharma customers? Is this something you can get them excited in uh, as much as the company itself, the corporate part of Yara? 
I think it's been uh, a very motivating things for thing for our employees to see that uh, we are doing this, to see that we want to contribute and that we mean it when we say that we want to really work for um, removing hunger. So it's been very motivating there, and I'm confident that that also will have a spill of effect on all the activities that we're doing, and also to our customers and to also, you know, the food companies that see that actually we are a company that want to contribute and actually do contribute uh, to really improve food production and improve agronomic competence, which is, of course, extremely important in this region, which has such a, such a big potential. You know, Africa can produce so much more food than what they do today. You just need the competence there. We need the infrastructure in place uh, and we need the marketplaces where they can sort of sell their crops. This is something where, where Yara is proving that it's really involved now with the way forward and, f- and seeking a way forward for everybody. Yes, so um, I'm quite proud, to be honest, uh, what we're doing there and also many of the other things that we have done this spring, really showing the best uh, of our company on how we've been able to tackle this crisis uh, and done what we can do to then help uh, others uh, that have a much more challenging time. Toby Anderson, there's no doubt Yara's planning ahead and setting an example for the industry. Thank you for explaining the thinking behind it. And that's all we've got time for. But if you found this session useful, please join me, Ken Rundle, in a couple of weeks' time when we consider the husbandry challenges behind the attempt on the world record wheat yield. Thanks for listening to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. For more information, visit yara.co.uk or yara.ie.